Good morning. Happy fallback day. If you got little kids, that means absolutely nothing because they're sleeping in. We just took it upon ourselves to, uh, you know, Halloween. We rented some uh, some straight jackets just, you know, to do. We took it upon ourselves to put the kids in the straight jackets so they would stay in bed, you know, the extra hour this morning. That's not true. Okay, we did not do that to wake them up. They they were still asleep, you know, when we when we got them this morning. But let me tell you uh, why this is an exciting time for you to come to New Anthem Church this morning because we're starting a brand new series called Life, Money, Hope. I'm going to tell you why this is going to be the greatest series we have ever done because we're going to talk about three things that people tend to struggle with in their life which is life, money, and, and hope, hence the super creative title on my, on my part. But, that, but that's not why this is going to be the greatest series that we've ever done. The reason this is going to be the greatest series we've ever done is because if you'll commit to being here these next three weeks, I can virtually promise you that you are going to get at least one thing that you can take away and practically do. And, and when you walk out those doors, you'll have at least one thing that can radically change your life. I can virtually promise that to you within these three messages. It's something is going to stir in your spirit and you're going to think to yourself, man, I can, I can do that. And, and God wants that for me and I can really actually change my life. And how do I know that? Because I believe, which might sound crazy, I've been called worse, but I believe that God meant what he said when he said that he wanted you to have life and have it to the full. I believe that God meant what He said when He said all things work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I believe He meant what He said when He said He knows the desires of your heart. And I believe He meant what He said when He said His Word will not return void. I believe that God wants to do something in your life. I want to speak to you on the subject of an ordinary life. I titled today's message, You Can't Spell Extraordinary Without Ordinary. Nobody thought that was cool. You say, congratulations, Pastor. You know how to spell, okay? Ordinary without extraordinary. Grammar is important, okay? Grammar is the difference between it's time to eat, Grandma, and it's time to eat grandma, right? I mean, there's a big difference between the two. Uh, never mind. Don't worry about that, okay? If you brought a Bible, go ahead and grab your Bible. I promise this will get better as we go along. Open it up towards the back of your Bible. You want a book called Philippians. Philip. If you're new to the whole Bible thing, that's okay. There should be a table of contents at the front of your Bible. You can find the page number for Philippians there. Or just take out your phone, open up the app, your Bible app, find Philippians. Click to Philippians in there. We're starting right at the beginning, the chapter 1 and verse 1. Are you excited for this? Yes. Good. Things are about to change in your life. We're going to go from extraordinary, or we're going to go from ordinary to extraordinary. Look at your neighbor and say, you're so ordinary. Whoever said that to you, look back at them and say, not for long. Not for long. It's about to go down. In Philippians 1.1, Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Time out. Kind of a 
funny story. Anytime I prepare messages, I, I like to take our core text and look at it in multiple different translations uh, of, of the Bible, see if anything else jumps out at me from what I'm reading. So in addition to the ESV, which is what I primarily pre- prepare, and I might le- read the, the New Living Translation or the New International Version, something like that. But did you know in the King James Version, Timothy is called Timotheus. So it says, Paul and Timotheus, servants of Christ Jesus. It's like being out in public and your, your parents accidentally use your real name. It's like, hey, Timotheus. And he's like, dude, that, dad, don't call me that. My friends call me Timothy. If your name is Tim, which is worse, Tiny Tim or Timotheus? Just out of curiosity. Timo- okay, never mind. Where was I at? Servants servants of Christ Jesus. Circle, star, underline, highlight, whatever you do, that word, servants. We're going to come back to that idea. Paul and Timotheus, I'm going to refer to him as Timotheus for the rest of the service because nobody laughed at my joke. (laughs) Servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. Let me pray before we dive in. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to gather here and hear from you. God, I just ask that you do what only you can do right now and open up hearts, open up lives, change them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the other day, my wife and I were talking, which for the record, we talk every day, okay? Uh, She talks every day. I speak for a living, so there's some days where I'm not allowed to use my words in order to save them up for this morning. Uh, but so we're, the conversation on this particular point was actually very interesting because my wife uh, is attending a Bible study, and the leader of the Bible study said to her, Laura, you're a pastor's wife. Would you mind closing us in prayer? The leader was implying that because of her husband's calling, Laura should be able to uh, pray publicly. People often project that onto her, that as a pastor's wife, she should be able to do stuff like play the organ or, or you know, leads children's ministry or, or pray publicly, but uh, that's what's kind of supposed to happen. But it occurred to me in this conversation that we're all a little bit like that. We, we tend to project uh, our feelings onto people, or maybe not necessarily onto people, but we'll often project our feelings onto ourselves. Like, we'll come to church and we'll hear the pastor talk about calling and purpose and how if, how if you'll just follow Christ, maybe you could be like Paul and, and Timotheus or the disciples, and maybe you need to be able to do something, and then if you did it, you could lead a more fulfilling life, and, and, and you'll hear the pastor talk about how God wants to do something extraordinary through you. So you'll think, well, man, I've just got to sell everything and I've got to, I've got to go overseas and become some kind of missionary. I've got to quit my job. I need to start drilling some wells in Africa. I need to go pass out Bibles to the Aborigines or I've got to be, I've got to be more 
like the people we're reading about in the Bible. And so we'll project full-time occupational ministry onto ourselves because if we really analyze our lives, more often than not, we realize there's a fairly large disconnect between the promise of purpose that, get, that God gives us and then what's actually filling our days. So we hear words like passion and purpose and calling and we think about our lives and we're like, wait, Wait, I did 10 loads of laundry yesterday, right? I mean, how is there purpose and passion? How am I bringing fulfillment to God in laundry? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I get that, that style now is like holes and everything. So, so you're doing holy laundry in direct. There you go. Check. Okay. But we tend to project onto people. We tend to project onto ourselves what we're doing isn't that important to ministry. So we think, we, we say, well, I, I cut hair for a living pastor. I sell insurance. I operate machinery. I'm a cashier at Dillon's. Just trying not to kill grandma when she starts writing a check. You know what I'm saying? Like, how am I, how is this ministry, how is what I'm doing ordained by God? How am I making a global impact for God? I'm a stay at home parent. Surely I have to do something else of significance in order to have this purpose that God talks about. Listen to me, maybe living out your calling might not mean doing new things, but rather doing old things in a new way. Maybe you need to infuse your ordinary things with some eternal significance so God can make your ordinary into extraordinary. Well, how, how do I do that? Well, I think you don't need a new profession. You need a new perspective. You don't need to do something different occupationally necessarily. You might just need to change your perspective about where you're at. It's kind of like my son, he wears glasses. Now, the, the eye doctor, according to him, says he doesn't really need glasses to see. The muscles in his eye need help relaxing. For whatever reason, they're just super tight and they tense up as he tries to read or look at things. And then when they're tight, his eyes do crazy things and start wandering and it's, it's really weird to look at. But when he has... When he has his glasses on, he gets a new perspective. His, his eyes will start to relax. He's got bifocals. He can see things more clearly. And today could be that for you. It's about finding a new perspective, getting something different, some new lenses on your profession. So let's look back at our Philippians text. It's important for you to realize that Paul is writing a letter here. He, he's writing it to a church that he planted in a city called Philippi. And you can read all about how the church got started uh, in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. But once he's got the church up and running, there's some things that he wants to address and, and fill them in on some things. And then he writes the very introduction. He says, I give thanks for you. I just love you so much. In verse 5, for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Partnership. It's a big idea. As we read this, you can see Paul's pretty fired up about partnership. He's like, thank God for you. I'm always in joyful prayer for you. The reason for my joy when I think about it is because of this partnership that we have. I'm reminded of how awesome you are because of this partnership, which, which that's kind of weird, right? Partnership. I don't know much about partnership, I guess. I've just never seen the boys down at Abercrombie and Fitch saying, God, I just thank God for you all. 
so passionate about you. Thanks for your partnership. And maybe that's a bad example. I don't, apparently nobody wears jeans anymore. I've been out of the scene for a while. Okay, Abercrombie. Black and Decker. Okay, Barnes and Noble. I, I don't know where you're at. Batman and Robin. Anything for anybody? Partnership. It's, it's a big idea. Ben and Jerry, the ice cream, praise God for those two. But uh, whatever you're into, uh, I, I can't think of partnership in those terms, though. I, I can't think of a partnership that was so committed to one another considering the circumstances of the partnership. Because if you'll dive into the text and read later on, you'll find out that Paul is in prison when he's writing this. So he's going, man, I just really thank God for you and the partnership that we have. I mean, you all are out in the world doing your thing. I'm in here locked up in the confines of a cold, dark, shabby prison cell. But this setup's working really great. You guys are doing your thing. I'm in here and everybody's getting saved in the jail from the first day until now. It's a crazy partnership. Just as an example, do you think uh, Mario and Luigi... Like Mario would write Luigi from prison saying, man, I just thank God for you. You're out in the world eating mushrooms and shooting fireballs and getting extra lives. And you held down on level eight on that one hill so you could go behind the screen and jump over and get the whistle. And don't forget your raccoon tail to fly up in the skeleton castle, the other whistle. Never mind. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Low for six today. Uh, but, But like... But like this is the idea that, that Paul's communicate, not necessarily the, the Super Mario reference, but, but that's essentially what Paul's saying. He's saying, your ministry in the world is the same as my ministry here in prison. They might be different, but they're of equal value. He says, I thank God you're out there doing what only you can do because it's really helping me advance the cause of Christ here in prison. See, sometimes you don't need a new profession. You need a new perspective. And the new perspective for you might be the realization that you're in a partnership. You're in a partnership with God. You're in a partnership with other believers. You should be in a partnership with a local church. In each situation, you are doing what you know how to do so that God can do what only He can do, which is change people's hearts and lead them into a life-giving relationship with His Son, Jesus. Like, that's what you're supposed to be doing in life. My fear for you is that somehow you'll look at your life, you'll feel like it's of less significance because of your occupation or your income or the fact that you have neither a job nor an income. You're just a student or, or whatever, stay-at-home parent. I mean, I mean, how do we have a purpose for God if we're not really involved in the day-to-day involvement of a, of a job or a career? Like, how are we supposed to be having purpose as a student or whatever. See, my fear for you is that you'll hear about Paul who writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He travels around the world. He plants dozens and dozens of churches and God uses him to do some amazing things. And, and you'll think to yourself, well, I'm too ordinary for that. Like God couldn't use me to do something of that significance, but that's why we have partnership. We can do things like that together. But then on the other hand, I also get nervous because I feel like some people hear a message like this, they'll get all fired up and they'll do what I talked about earlier and quit their job. And and that's not what God intended for you though either. And so you'll join some, you know, ministry organization or Compassion International. You'll get overseas. You'll find yourself unfulfilled because you trusted yourself instead of trusting God. 
It's important for you to realize that as Paul is out traveling and doing ministry that God has called him to, these people in Philippi that he's so passionate about, that he's thankful for, and that he's in love with uh, clearly from the text, they're just simple fishermen. They're in the clothing industry. They're a jailer. They're bakers. They're bankers. They're teachers. They're coaches. They're stay-at-home moms. They're welders. They're blacksmith. They're wheel- realtors. These are the things that God has called people to do in order to advance the kingdom. Partners in ministry without ever joining occupationally in ministry. They're just ordinary people. Listen to me. The reason some of you are unhappy within your careers is probably because you misunderstand your career. You haven't got a new perspective on this partnership that God has called you to. Think about something here. The majority of Jesus' ministry years were spent as a carpenter, glorifying God and serving people by working with his adoptive father, Joseph. He only spent the last three years of his life preaching and teaching and healing and feeding and evangelizing and leading and all the other stuff that we praise God that he did. The first 30 years, he was making tables and chairs. Our boy Paul in Colossians 1.17 writes, And whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In other words... Wherever God currently has got you at, it's likely He put you there for a reason. That reason is to be a light in a dark world. That reason is to do something extraordinary through your ordinary daily tasks. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Make sure you're praising God in your day-to-day activity. Do you know in Mark chapter 5, there's this crazy story about Jesus helping restore a man who's been demon-possessed. Most people know the the story because uh, Jesus cast this legion of of demons into a herd of pigs, and the pigs run off and they all drown and die. What most people often forget is the ending. Because this man, after he's been healed, he comes up to Jesus and he begs Jesus to allow him to become a disciple, to follow him, which in our minds we think, yes, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be uh, following Jesus. But this man wanted to serve occupationally as a disciple. And Jesus tells him no. Watch this, Mark chapter 5, verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And Jesus did not permit him but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Look at this. Everyone marveled. This man had an impact that impacted everyone. Listen, you don't have to be the next Peter, James, Paul, Timotheus, whoever. I wonder how many of us live with buried talents and lost opportunities because we want so badly to be someone we're not. Come on, somebody. Help me preach this. Whatever you do, do it for God. You don't have to do and be something that you're not. How freeing is that? You can be who God created you to be. The Bible makes it clear that not everybody's assignment is the same. 
Scriptures tell us and often refer uh, of the necessity of every human person in a church as being like different parts of a human body, connected together in purposeful unity, but different in daily tasks. Some of y'all are hands, some of y'all are feet, some of y'all are eyes, some of y'all are the mouth. And God has gifted you in a different way to serve this purpose. If you get nothing else I say, you have to get this. If you're not partnering with God to advance His mission, you are sinning. There's two types of sin listed in the Bible. Sin of commission, where you participate in the sin. You're in the mission of sinning, commission. But there's also the sin of omission, where you don't do something you should have done. You omit. The Bible says both things are wrong. Some of you are not partnering with Christ in the way that He has called you to partner with Christ. And it's sinful. Now, here's the good news. I think I've got some ways that you can assess yourself and see where you're at in this whole thing, whether that's by serving at church or at home or at school or whatever it is, it's your job. doesn't matter. We can change your life today by answering two simple questions. Number one, am I anonymous? Am I Anonymous. Do people know who I am? This is important because people have a fundamental need to be known. The first thing that God said after He made a human male was, it is not good for man to be alone. That's Genesis 2. Why? Because sin thrives in anonymity. Let me say it this way. If, if you're the only one who knows all of your secrets, you're in trouble. I'll be so bold to say is, even if your spouse is the only other one who knows all of your secrets, you are in trouble. You've got to have people in your life that can hold you accountable. You've got to have people in your life that you can tell that I'm struggling with this. I need a little bit of help in this area. This is why I'm so passionate about you getting into a small group or serving in a ministry here at the church. It's not because I want something from you. It's because we want something for you. We want to be your partners in advancing the gospel and doing what God called you to do, which is to be transformed into the image of His Son. We want to help be able to minister to you in these areas of life that you struggle with. Bottom line, if God is going to use your ordinary to do something extraordinary, you have to be known. You can't be anonymous. Which, listen to me, because if you said answered that question, am I anonymous? You answered that as, yes, I am anonymous. Here's something you can do besides just jump into a small group, besides serving in a ministry team. I think there's something else you can do. Are you ready? One of you is ready. Great. Here it is. Here's what you can do. Start asking other people questions. You say, no, pastor, you're misunderstanding. I'm the anonymous one. People need to to start getting to know me. Why would I need to get to know other people? Because if you get to know other people, they won't allow you to be anonymous either. If you'll start asking questions and exhibit some care for other people, they'll return the favor. And the best part is there's no cost to getting to know other people, especially the people that you work with. The only thing it's going to cost you is time and comfort. It's going to cost you the time to start asking some questions. There's certainly going to be some uncomfortable conversations. 
you know, especially when you start getting involved with people's cats, it's always uncomfortable. It's never a good, I mean, that conversation never ends well. Unless it's, hey, I got rid of my cat today. Great, that's a great, good job. Okay, that's how that conversation should go. But I promise you, it will be awkward in the beginning. It will take an investment on your part. But if you're investing your in other people, you will also get invested in. The Bible says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And if the place that you work or the people that you're involved with are so narcissistic that nobody gets to know you, even after you get to know them, you have my full permission to go find another job. Go get some other people involved in your life because that's not a helpful environment either. But you can't be anonymous. Do people know me? Number two, how can we know if God is going to use my ordinary to do something extraordinary? How do I know if God is really calling me and, and to do something? How do I know if I need to do something different? Ask yourself, am I relevant? Am I relevant? It's important for you to realize how your job or your life impacts other people, whether that be large or small. Your life your job. It might impact a customer, a colleague, a boss, a vendor, a sibling, a parent, a teacher, a coach, or a friend. But somebody needs to be happier by virtue of you doing your job well or you being authentic in your relationship with them. Now, some of you are just so naturally pessimistic, you're automatically going to go, no, I'm not relevant. No, I can't do anything that matters. I'm I'm a horrible person. You have no idea who I am, Pastor. God surely couldn't use me. Okay, well, this goes back to the idea of changing your perspective. Because the Bible says, as a follower of Christ, that I am God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, Ephesians 2.10. Philippians 4.19, I have no lack for my God supplies all of my need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It has nothing to do with you. Romans 8.37 says, I am more than a conqueror through Him who loves me. Isaiah tells us that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Everything that He has done on the cross, make no mistake, the sheer fact that you are alive right now makes you relevant. Come on, somebody. Of course you're relevant. Of course you have purpose. Of course you do it. Perhaps a better question for you is, is how do I measure my relevancy? I don't feel relevant, pastor. How do I measure my relevancy? By catching yourself doing the right things in the areas that you can control. By analyzing, are people generally in a better spirit after I was around? Are people happier because of my presence? I mean, you can have the crappiest job in the world, but if people are generally happier when they're around you, then you're more relevant than the highest paid person in the world because more often than not, there's carnage around those folks. That's why when you watch that show, Dirty Jobs, it's the people with the suckiest jobs that are the most happy. Yes, that's true. Because... Uh, people around them are happy by sheer fact of being around them. They get to enjoy their life. It's called relevancy. I can remember working at Ace Hardware in high school, and uh, there was a guy who would come in frequently. He was always disheveled and dirty, and his hair was all jacked up, and he always had shop glasses on that he couldn't see out of. And, and one of the things uh, about Ace Hardware is they're really passionate about 
customer service. So anytime somebody comes in, it's not like the big box stores where you just have to go find whatever you want yourself. They, they want you to go talk to people, which to me seems like a logistical nightmare. You should not get any advice from anybody age 16 on anything, especially home improvement. But nonetheless, uh, this guy would come in all the time. And if you walked up to him and you said, hey, can I help you, sir? He'd automatically just yell at you and cuss at you and get the, you know, get the freak away from me. You'd I'll kill you. Whatever, right? I mean, it was just like, geez. Uh, okay. Well, there's this kid who worked at Ace Hardware whose sole mission in life was to go talk to that guy every single time that he came in. And every single time he got yelled at and cussed at, but somehow and got this kid got some sort of weird satisfaction out of that. But the, rem- the reason I remember that particular kid working there is because he always made the people around him happier. By sheer fact that he was there, we were just always in a better spirit. Nothing was going to bring him down. It was great. I'm sure you can think of somebody like that in your own life that's just naturally optimistic and happy. This is what Jesus says about that type of person. John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, you can know your relevancy by how well you're doing at loving other people. People should know that you care about them. Your relationship should matter to them. If you're curious about the fact that you're saved or if you're a disciple or a follower, just answer that. Am I loving people well? Do people know that I care? That being said, I'll close like this. At the beginning of the message, I told you to underline that word, servants. Circle star, whatever you do. Paul says about him and Timotheus, we are servants of Christ Jesus. The reason that's an important word for you to know is because in the English translation, that's not a very good translation. Servant. That's not what that word actually uh, technically means. It's the Greek word doulos. It, it literally translates slave. We are slaves of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying. I wonder how many of us would be willing to call ourselves slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because a slave has no rights. A slave is in complete submission to the discretionary will of his master. There's no me time when you're a slave. There's no vacation clause in that contract. Your sole purpose in life And a slave's most important role is to carry out the task that his master has laid out in order for his master to become more profitable. It's not a very popular way to look at our relationship with Jesus. But it doesn't make it any less true. See, if you really want to leave here today knowing that your life can be different, I think you have to change your perspective. I think you need to realize that it's not all about being missionaries and pastors and evangelists. It's more importantly being a slave as a truck driver and a teacher and a fireman. It's about being a construction worker and a student and a salesman. It's about being a stay-at-home mom and a homeschooler or a trades person. You can absolutely make a difference wherever God has placed you, but you can't be anonymous and you can't be irrelevant. 
You have to work hard and bring glory to God by going above and beyond and by doing a good job. If you will honor Christ with your best efforts, God will lead you to your ultimate destination. It might not be where you're at right now, but God's trying to teach you something in that moment. All right? You understand what I'm saying? God's got a plan and a purpose for your life, and you might think, how in the world can this be it? But, but God's trying to teach you something here. He's trying to develop some of your character, and He'll lead you to your ultimate destination and your ultimate purpose if you'll just be faithful in the season and the place God has put you right now. The Bible makes it clear that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are absolutely slaves to doing the will of God. And sometimes God's will is in the ordinary. It's in the day-to-day task. Ask yourself, how well am I doing at loving people and working hard? Because here's the best news that I can give you. Our God is a God of miracles. And if you will stay consistent in your ordinary, God will do something extraordinary. It's who He is. Over and over in Scripture, you see God blessing the seemingly inept, the seemingly mundane, the weakest of all people. That's the beauty of God. He will lift you up if you'll be willing to follow Him wholeheartedly. Where's God trying to change your perspective? Is it in your partnership? Is it in this idea of of being a slave in the ordinary? He's trying to teach you something that will lead you to your purpose. God will do something extraordinary in your ordinary if you'll be faithful to Him in all that you're doing. Amen, somebody. Let's all pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this truth that you want to change our life. You want to be involved in our life. You want us to use the gifts and talents that you have given us to bring you glory. God, I'm asking you to do what only you can do right now and speak to each person here today. Show them their ultimate purpose in life. Teach them how they can be more impactful for your kingdom by getting known, by being relevant, by loving, by doing whatever it is they're called to do with the best of their ability. And God, I just believe that you're speaking to somebody right now about this idea of trusting you, becoming a slave, so to speak. They've never put their trust in, their, in Jesus. If that's you this morning, if you want to be forgiven of your sin, submit your life to Christ. Some of you have been pretending to follow Christ for years, and you've never really surrendered. Oh, it says, confess in your heart and believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. I want you to do that right now. I want to give you that opportunity just to say, God, I'm sorry. sorry I've sinned. I haven't done what you've called me to do. I've chased my own dreams. I've lived my own way. God, I'm tired. I want you in my life. I want your way. It's better. Thank you for saving me. Help me now to live for You. God, I thank You for 
whoever that was that you trusted with your gospel. God, I just ask that you let each person today leave here and make an impact for you. It's all in your son's name that we pray. Amen.